shall not murder is the basic minimum level for us to live with one another. Yes, I should feel safe and assured that just because you and I have issues that you're not going to take my life, right? That should be the very basic minimum. We need basic limits on our behavior to li live peaceably with one another. We need minimum standards and expectations. But that alone does not make life good. We need more than just cordial and civil relations with one another. And that is what Jesus is saying in today's passage. In the 1930s, there was a group of scholars from Harvard. They uh, started this study on human happiness. They chose two groups. One was a group of students at Harvard. Uh, they themselves came from varied backgrounds. And then the other group was uh, a group of teenagers from a poor neighborhood in Boston. Uh, a lot of children of immigrants, very socioeconomically uh, low. Uh, and uh, over time, they kept track of these individuals, including their families. They, you know, a lot of them got married, they had children. And then those children got married and they had children and grandchildren. So over, it's been 84 years now, they've studied, and they're trying to answer this question of what makes uh, people happy. And there are a lot of factors, this and that, these things that help, but they boiled it down to one conclusion. If there's one thing that makes for a happy life, and that is good relationships. Good relationships. Uh, in their surveys, uh, while they're living, yes, they're concerned with this and that, making enough money or jobs, career, but at the end of the day, it's good relationships that constitutes a happy life. And so they said that if you have to boil it down to one choice you have to make in life, one thing that you will really invest yourself into, it's invest yourself in your relationships. I agree with that finding. It is something that we absolutely need, and we know that we need it. You know, when we celebrate uh, life at a wedding or a funeral, what is most central is always the relationships that we have. But it is also the most difficult thing. You know, we can become very good at our jobs. We become very skilled at tasks and hobbies. But when it comes to our relationships with others, it is so difficult. We are often so bad at it. What we need most in life is most difficult to achieve. Everywhere where Jesus went, he saw this. He saw relationships that were damaged. He saw hurt that arose from broken relations within families, with their neighbors, in their communities. Jesus, he abided by the law, but he saw that the law itself does not bind people closely together. The law simply prevents one from harming others. But he saw that what really separates people is not disobedience to the law, but what, what lies in the heart. Jesus says this, but I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. It's the emotion in the heart that is the seed 
of division. You know, anger, it's a natural emotion. We get angry when we're hurt, when we experience or witness injustice, when we feel scared and vulnerable. But if that anger remains and starts to control us, it affects our relationships. Anger that remains in the heart does not just remain there. It grows and it morphs into our minds and our thoughts. Our thoughts become negative. And these thoughts spill out and affect those around you. So anger and hostility in your heart begins to create a hostile environment around you. You know, to use young people's language, you know, the vibe that flows out, it's not that good. What takes place in our heart affects our environment around us. And this is what Jesus said. It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, debauchery, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Anger darkens our hearts. And that darkness diminishes the warmth, closeness, the connection we have with others. We might not always be bursting out in anger. It may be quietly festering in our hearts like a fungus. No, fungus doesn't need light. It survives and continues to grow in the dark. So anger can lurk quietly in the shadows of our heart. But whether it's loud on the surface or quiet underneath, it affects who we are. It affects our relationships with those around us. Realized, our hearts are very sensitive and fragile. We do a great job of covering it up and presenting something totally else to the world, but underneath, I think our hearts should have warning labels. Fragile, handle with care. As we live life in this world, we get hurt, we get offended. And these things leave their marks on our hearts. They remain with us and are not easily healed. And from our damaged hearts, we have damaged relations. You know, our relationships were so important to Jesus. His heart broke when he saw how our relationships were broken. They were so important that he even said to delay worshiping God in order to be reconciled. This is what he said. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. It's not that worshiping God wasn't important. That was the most important thing to Jesus. But he said this to illustrate 
the urgency and importance of restoring our relationships with one another. He knew that as long as we have anger and animus in our hearts, our worship cannot be pure. Because instead of God, it's our emotions that are at the center. He also said this, Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. I'm not sure how many of you have uh, gone to court, taken to someone to court, or been taken to court. I myself haven't, but I've seen it, right? I've witnessed it. And I'll tell you this. People often will go to court because they're emotional. At that stage in the game, by that point in time, it's never really about the legal issue. It's about the feeling of being wronged and wanting to achieve vindication. Oh, I'm going to win and you're going to see, buddy. Let's see, right? That's the feeling behind it. I don't know an English way to expression. In Korean, it's like, 그래, 한번 해보자, huh? 해보자. Yeah, let's, let's go. That's the emotion behind going to court. But Jesus is warning us that if we let emotion drive us, it's going to lead to greater destruction. Our emotions, they can destroy our relationships. True reconciliation first requires healing. Anger in our heart must be tamed and then removed. Because only then is the heart truly ready to reconcile. Right? You can't reconcile while anger poisons the heart. I'm sure we've all tried that. Yeah, I forgive you, but yo, you better really hear what I'm saying. Right? The anger there, we can't reconcile. Secondly, reconciliation is only possible when we are willing to absorb the anger and pain of the other party. We need to enter into the world of the other party, listen to their voice and their heart, understand what it is they're feeling, and seeing things through their eyes. As I say these words, I'm reminded of Reverend Kim's uh, uh, talks at our pastoral meetings. When you are really preaching, you are part of the audience. And when I say these things, I am part of the audience. It is so hard to enter the world of the other person and see things and feel things through their eyes and perspective. Up on the cross, Jesus absorbed the anger and ill will of people. It was people's anger, hatred, and malice that hung him up on the cross. And amazingly, Jesus was not angry. He did not defend himself. He did not lash out. He absorbed their anger. And instead of vengeance... He offered forgiveness. This is what he said up on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
On the cross, Jesus absorbed their anger with love. Love was more powerful than anger. Love is what reconciles and binds together again. Love is the greatest thing, but it is also the most difficult thing. It's not something that we can just will in ourselves. St. Paul recognized love as a gift that God instills in us, that God gives to us. He believed that above anything else, above any other gifts and and, uh, abilities, whatever, that we should be seeking this gift of love. This is what he wrote. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is a gift. We should seek it and ask God to give it to us. But I realized it's easier said than done. If you have anger in your heart, oh, I love, yeah, that sounds all good, but I'm angry. We have to desire it. That desire for the, that kind of love only comes when we realize how much I need relationships. I need my relationships around me. I don't know, maybe because there's so many people around us now. We live in a big city, big metropolitan area. I think we've come to really devalue people and relationships. We think we can just pick and choose whom we relate to. I mean, unfriending someone takes a mere click of a button. I don't even think it's unfriending anymore. It's unfollow, right? If someone bothers or offends me, I can just stop interacting with them. If we live this way, where relationship I can just turn on or off, we will never cultivate relationships that really give us joy and life. Jesus died on the cross for us because his relationship with us was the most important thing. He gave his life and died so that we can be reconciled with God. He wanted to show us how important we should be to one another. His final command to his disciples was to love one another. Don't take people for granted. God has placed the people in your life for a reason. I really believe that. They are given to you as a gift. And not only the people that you like, but even the people you don't like. And sometimes, especially the people you don't like. Don't close yourself off just with people that you know and are comfortable with. Every person has been given to you to help you grow, to enrich your life, to bless your life. 
people are God's gift to us. So don't run away from your relationships. Be committed to them. Cultivating, enriching relationships is hard work. We all, we all work so hard at our jobs and uh, our studies. We should work even harder at our relationships because they are the most precious gift that we have. We realize that when we say goodbye to loved ones, we should realize that each day while we are alive. When you're committed to people, it causes pain. It's almost guaranteed. It's going to cause you pain. There's nothing more painful than discord and disharmony in a relationship. But instead of running away, get on your knees in prayer. Pour out the pain of discord and disharmony to God. Just let out, express the raw emotions in your heart. God can absorb it all. Just let it out. And then ask God for wisdom and what to do. But don't give up. God may or may not change your situation. God may or may not change the other person. But God will change your heart. God will increase your understanding. God will expand your heart. God's love will absorb your anger. People are the greatest gift that God has given to us. I am because you are. And you are because I am. Forgiveness, reconciliation, and love is the very core of the gospel. They are the most beautiful things. Seek them with all of your heart and your life will be filled with joy. Let us sing together.